Welcome to the Cloud Architects Podcast, a podcast about cloud, technology, and the people using it. The Cloud Architects Podcast is sponsored by Kemp Technologies. Choose Kemp to optimize your multi-cloud application deployments and simplify multi-cloud application management. A single pane of glass for application delivery, Kemp provides a 360-degree view of your entire application environment and even third-party APCs. Download Kemp 360 for free today at kemptechnologies.com. Okay, holding 92, 3, 2, 1. Hello, everybody. Now, that's a good one, right? <laughs> we are here uh, in Seattle, in Redmond, at the mothership, where all the magic happens, ladies and gentlemen. We're at Building 92, we're at the MVP Summit, and we are with two very special people. We are here with Georgia Huggins and Mr. Greg Taylor. And Georgia, I'm going to start with you. Okay. What do you do at Microsoft? Uh, so I am a program manager for uh, Office 365 Enterprise Plus Cloud Engineering Division. That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, that's a mouthful. Like for people <laughs> who aren't me <laughs> or, yes. or MVP. So, so, I, so I'm a program manager okay. at Microsoft. Um, the areas that I, um, I currently own are hybrid and the hybrid configuration wizard and then the new features that we're introducing. So the hybrid agent. It's a really tough job then. Um, it can be challenging, but it's fun. So I've worked for Microsoft for 19 years. So I've had my hands in wow. various um, features of Exchange and That's awesome. I get over to ask years. so many other questions yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who's your favorite CEO? My favorite what? CEO. Uh, well, I like Satya right now. Okay. That was a quick answer. Nobody's <laughs> ever said it that cleanly before. <laughs> well, I, I, I mean, I, I think he does a lot of good. And what sort of roles have you been in over the years? Which has been your favorite? Uh, what sort of roles have I been in? Um, so I've been a software test engineer uh, when we used to have those roles at Microsoft. I've been, um, let's see, an operations analyst. Um, and I've been uh, an operations program manager and a program manager. I don't know. Those are some of the various titles, I guess, that I've had. What's your favorite Microsoft product? Uh, well, of course, Office 365. Well, which part? I mean, it's huge. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I don't know. You can say substrate. It, it's like picking <laughs> a favorite kid, right? You can't. You just can't. Can't answer that. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, my my whole career has been centered around Exchange and now Exchange Online and Office 365. So, um, you know, I know it the best. Um, so, you know, it's probably my favorite. That's awesome. Okay, so then how long have you been working with Exchange? Uh, for 19 years. The wow. entire time, Oh, yes. wow. Okay, yes, so yes. Then, yes, I get to ask this yes. question again. What was your favorite version of Exchange? Oh, <laughs> let's see. From Exchange 5.5 to upgrading to Exchange 2000, that was a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Brave, man. <laughs> that was, uh, you know, that was a lot of fun. Um, uh, let's see, 2003, 2007, 2010, 2013, 2016, and 2019. Um, my favorite version. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, probably was it 2007 that we made the switch to multiple copies mm -hmm. of the databases? Yeah. CCR, SCR. There yeah. we go. That's the first 2007 answer we've had, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and if, you, if, you, if you're part of the exchange, sort of in the exchange community or have been part of the exchange community for a little while, you might have recognized the other voice that just popped up there for uh, a second ago. So, uh, Mr. Greg Taylor, we'll get you to uh, introduce yourself. 
for those people who don't know you. Sure. Um, I'm Greg Taylor. I'm the I'm currently the director of product marketing for Exchange Server and Exchange Online. But you haven't always been the director of product marketing. No. Go on, tell us no, what I, else you've well, done. Well, I, I actually gave the architect for SCR the idea to do SCR, for one. Uh, what we were just talking about there in exchange. Pretty sure, I, I mean, I didn't do any of the hard work. I just told him about you know, we should do that. So he did it. So I take, obviously, partial credit for SCR. But before that, I, um, I was most recently in engineering and customer experience type teams where I ran the customer adoption team, which was responsible for things like the mailbox role calculator, the preferred architecture, and all of that kind of stuff. Um, prior to that, I ran something called the, uh, the Microsoft Certified Master and Architect Programs and the Ranger Program briefly before that, or before we transitioned it. And before that, I was an MCS in the UK for years. And before that, you were helping little old ladies with the computers. Before that, I was helping little old ladies in um, uh, retail using point-of-sale systems selling children's clothing. Was exchange even a thing? Uh, no, it wasn't. Email was a thing. I, I remember, uh, I think I got on CompuServe because oh. I didn't really want to do that AOL thing. Wow. It felt like too American for me in the UK. <laughs> I got on CompuServe with dial-up modems. I know, right? And and used to be so excited when I got an email. Sure. <laughs> and how long have you been I in I didn't Microsoft? get many emails back in those days. Um, f uh, 14 years, I think. Fantastic. Who was your favorite CEO? Um, ooh, um, that would be Satya. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the standard answer that everyone gives right now? Yeah. Well, anybody, no. Anybody that's no, brave enough funny. to give an answer, I, yes. I know. I, I yes. mean, Bulma was, was kind of fun to watch, right? And that was kind of, he was kind of entertaining. Um, and, uh, and when I joined the company 14 years ago, Bill was chairman. I only really got to see him, I think, on stage once or something before he retired. Um, with, that was a moment. It's kind of cool, right? Yeah, Being yeah, at an sure. internal company meeting with Bill. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I kind of lived through the Bulma years, really. And then, you know, things have changed a lot since Satya took over. Um, For sure. It's been interesting. And as a result, your favorite version of Exchange? Uh, George, was, uh, you were spot on. 5.5 five to 2,000 was that was a lot of work. That was a lot of fun because I knew how the ADC worked, oh, the Active Directory ADC. Connector and the SRS and all that. You remember that? Yes. When Not I figured out how that stuff worked, it was it was like all the dots joined together, and um, it was interesting because very few people knew how to do complex multi-site, multi-server, five-five to two thousand migrations. So I kind of got in around five, Exchange five, five-five was probably one of my favorites. So kind of get the Internet Mail so Connect five to go. Five-five was what year? Ninety-eight. Ninety-eight, I think, something like that. Yep. Yep. And I was kind of tinkering between that and Active Directory. I kind of did both for a while, but Exchange was just my, I just, I don't know, I just love getting email. But we all <laughs> did Exchange and AD for a while because Exchange was the killer application for Active Directory. It was the way to test your Active Directory yes. for good design. Yes. Because if you had done that badly, Exchange would tell you. Um, but yeah, but people. There's a bunch of stuff that Exchange wouldn't tell you back then. <laughs> well, sure, but it, um, but it was. Fine. I mean, to Nick's point, I think that that people would deploy AD because they wanted Exchange two thousand, yes. right? Yeah. And so um, it was interesting times. Things have changed a bit since then. Yeah, it's actually strange. I mean, considering the way you look at Exchange twenty nineteen now, and what its role is. I mean, we're going to segue into that now. But ideally, Exchange twenty nineteen was built for what? 
in your opinion? I, I, I mean, I would probably have to defer to Greg <laughs> on that one because I'm honestly I haven't um, used 2019 a ton, right? So, well, I, I, it was built for large enterprise customers who want to stay on prem and aren't quite ready to move to the cloud. Sure, but then Exchange 2000 was all we had. Well, that yeah, I mean, it was around. Um, yeah, I mean, 2000 was was the one product for everyone, right? We yeah. did everything. Around 2003 time, we kind of, we tinkered at um, hosting mode. Do you remember hosting mode for Exchange? Oh. <laughs> see the goosebumps. <laughs> you know, hosting mode is the closest <laughs> thing architecturally to what Exchange Online is really? today, right? Because it was true multi-tenancy. You ran set up with a switch, yes. you know, and, and it created multiple configuration containers and, and everything else, right? But, um, yeah, those were... Anyway, sorry, digress slightly. No, but, no, no, all um, good. Yeah, 2019 is, um, you know, obviously our strategic goal is to try and get everyone into the cloud. We think that's the best place for most exchange, for well, for all exchange customers. Sure. Um, but if you can't move to the cloud yet for one reason or another, and there are some pretty valid reasons, there are plenty of invalid reasons I hear as well. Yeah. Um, what, what are they? What is an invalid reason, not just that? Security, answer? tell us that. <laughs> It's like if I had a dollar for every time security objected to the cloud um, based on a lack of understanding. It's kind of funny. I say this perhaps slightly flippantly, but um, but I, I do believe this. Honestly, people's data is more secure in our cloud than it is in their own data center. Agreed. Hmm. I mean, I, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. The I processes absolutely we have in place and the way it's managed and the... And, uh, you know, customers can't get close to that. Yeah, 95 certifications. We were told 4,000 security professionals wow. at Microsoft whose job it is to do nothing but security. Mm, you can't beat that. And so, you know, uh, it's more the data is safer with us than, than their own environments where they might not patch it or they might not, you know, do all of the things, the operational processes that need to be yeah, done. And they can break it just as easily as well. They can. Yeah. I want to segue into the hybrid agent, which is what you're looking after. And we've established that ideally you want to have your data in cloud. And one of the things that the hybrid agent does is solve a particular problem. So let me tee you up with that and ask you, why do we even need this thing and what problem does it solve? So what problem does it solve? So um, based on a lot of customer feedback that we've received um, over the past at least two to three years that I know of, um, one of the big challenges that um, we've heard from especially specific customer segments is that um, you know they see it as a significant security risk to publish uh, EWS to the internet, right? And allow inbound connections from Office 365 to support mailbox migrations and free busy. Yeah, so. yeah. And uh, with that, so we, we solve the, the, the networking issue or we solve for a networking issue, mm -hmm. right? But what can't we do with it? What can't you do? 
Um, so the way that you configure transport does not change. So you still need to open up port 25, right? Um, have a shiny public certificate. Uh, currently, um, because we are still in preview, so there are some limitations that we're working through. Um, so we don't support um, cross-prem multi-mailbox search, cross-prem message tracking. Uh, those two features uh, require um, either EWS or AutoDiscover to be published. Um, we did recently find out that um, mail tips works as is. So mail tips uh, currently or previously um, was listed as outside the scope, but it actually is in. What is a mail tip? What is a mail tip? Mm -hmm. um, so if, if you send an email to somebody who has an oof message, mm -hmm. um, as soon as you type oof their name, out of office, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so everybody here. So as soon as you type your name, um, it will show the oof message um, in the header gotcha. of your email. Is that? Yeah, and uh, or, or things it? like you could have um, external recipient mail okay. tips, stuff like that. Yeah. So the flag comes up to say this is an external recipient. Which you can generally do in any migration tips. is always an issue. Sure. Like, what was it? NS2 file? The, do do oh you God, guys the, remember the, the NS2 the, file? The, the name? It was like an autocomplete for anybody that you had sent a message to before, right? right? And then whenever you move to a different org or whatever the case yeah, would be, yeah, is, yeah. you lost that. And so they oh, would be the like, the X500 oh, add back gone. of the address allows the. Yeah, and then yeah. we had, yeah, X500 mm -hmm. replyability yeah. was uh, a yes. pain yeah, as well. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I didn't know okay. if that's what you were talking about, but yeah. Yeah, no, so NS2 files had to go with, otherwise <laughs> they lost the entire address book. Gosh, <laughs> yeah. No, that's, <laughs> that's a blast from the past. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe you were doing it wrong. I'm <laughs> just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I never hear that. Or, sig or we're significantly better now. I well, I, I think, think it's a possibly a combination. <laughs> yeah, of both. I, think <laughs> I think it's totally better. Right. Uh, I guess if we're if we're adding, I guess a little context to uh -huh. to to what we're talking about sure. here, um, the hybrid agent is essentially a modern way of doing hybrid. Mm -hmm. um, but if we were to look at you know where we've come from a hybrid pers perspective, I love the the history lesson behind this because I was uh, I was digging through some uh, slide decks from. Uh, way back when, and I came across a, a presentation that I did at TechEd Australia 2011. Um, apart from being completely blown away by how colorful it was, and I can't believe any marketing department ever uh, sort of published that. Um, it <laughs> I'm just showing Greg my screen here. Um, but w one of the things we were talking about here was what was new in Exchange 2010 SP2, right? So prior mm. to 2010 SP2, when we actually saw the hybrid configuration was it actually come out, it was very manual. Um, and it was something like 50 manual steps to do hybrid. And so we've, we've evolved from that into the HEW as, as it was, and now the standalone. And so now this is essentially the next iteration or the, the next sort of modern way of doing, uh, of doing hybrid. And, and it's, it's, it's solving for us the, the challenges of um, opening outbound connectivity, inbound connectivity, I, I apologize, um, but it's not doing SMTP as we as we mentioned, right? And and I mean, can we can we dig into a little bit as to the challenges with trying to do SMTP through the hybrid agent? Essentially, the infrastructure that we use today to proxy the request for free busy and migrations um, is not built to support um, SMTP transactions. Mm -hmm. um, I don't and that's true. I mean, uh, but I think that is the answer, which <coughs> is yeah. that the infrastructure we use isn't built to it. I'd also challenge and say. Uh, for any customer that has, as Jason said yesterday, and I've argued for, and we've both argued for ages, which is for any customer that's, that's already got Exchange on-prem, if they're not doing inbound, outbound SMTP, they have a pretty lonely Exchange deployment. Mm -hmm. And so True. this doesn't, you know, if for somebody to say, 
I, 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 you know, I won't do inbound and outbound SMTP without a hybrid agent supporting it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the, yeah, absolutely. And I, and and I think in, in addition, there's we're always going to see those customers who have some sort of perimeter infrastructure where they want to send and receive email into that perimeter infrastructure, right. and that's why we have Edge and we have mechanisms to be able to allow that anyway. Yeah, there are other ways they can secure the mail flow. I mean, the, I guess the the, cons the 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 question is if they expose it. How do they secure it so only Office 365 is using this particular path, right? And, yeah. you know, there's IP restrictions, there's other ways they might solve that problem. I, I, I still struggle sometimes to kind of get the idea that unless we do SMTP over the agent, you know, customers are still blocked. Some might argue that, but I think many won't. And the fact that, you know, we have many customers already using the yeah. agent while we've put it out in a preview mm -hmm. is testament to the fact that it is solving the needs for a large number of organizations. Mm -hmm. Yes, and I think that's that, that's a really good way to look at it too, right, is instead of trying to build a product, um, or you, you're, you've built a product or a, a feature that is going to solve the vast majority of needs for the vast majority of customers, as opposed to trying to deal with those very corner, specific corner cases. Yeah, if you never ship software until you have satisfied every customer's potential requirements for it, you'll never, never ship, ship software. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, you know, uh, speaking of, you know, for Georgia, I mean, the, the yeah. this first release, right, is, mm -hmm. is, um, is going to solve the fun fundamental problem that I think we set out trying to solve. Mm -hmm. The question then is how we take the feedback and whether we choose to add functionality mm -hmm. to it over mm -hmm. time. And we, we're going to get to a point where I'm quite realistic that you know, we're never going to keep every customer, you know. Which brings me to my next question is what took so long? Um, the, the idea behind that is, I mean, ultimately, Office 365 is the end goal. Sure, we understand this, but I suppose a lot of us sort of knew that hybrid was going to stay for a very long time. And I think when did, when did Microsoft come to that realization? When did they finally say, okay, well, hybrid is here to stay. Maybe we should fix some issues. Why did it take so long? But are we are we are we fixing are we fixing is it a out. fixing of an issue situation though well, or is it a removing barriers to entry? Maybe. I think it's both. Right, it's both. I mean, yeah. hybrid hybrid set out is kind of funny. The, I'm pretty sure I I did that. Oh, we have to we have to we have to tell people about what happened there. But okay, I'm a huge Mac fan. Oh, hang on, yeah, like proper. <laughs> and Chris shows Greg something on his laptop, and Greg tries to scroll with the screen, yeah, and there's just no touch. I so look, I <laughs> and I also have finger marks on my screen. So Max don't have touch screens. It's like an edge sketch or something. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I'm pretty sure I back in those. So I, I remember. I think I did the 2010 SP2 launch presentation back at TechEd Atlanta or wherever the heck it was. I can't remember. And the height that was when the five configuration wizard was first created before that it was like a 60 page white paper that came with a free bottle of whiskey because <laughs> you know if you could get through it in one sitting you deserved it <laughs> but um hybrid has gone through i think some stages of being seen as a migration transition tool and turned into a long-term yeah. state tool mm -hmm. right and i think early on i think the ambition was that this was a rich coexistence during the course of a migration and the reality turned into customers felt, well, it's okay to be on both sides of the divide. And I sure. think now we engineering look at it that hybrid is a first class citizen. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, we expect customers to be in that state. We want, we, you know, the reasons for keeping them on-prem 
for mailboxes. Certain mailboxes on prem, I think, are getting smaller and smaller over time. Sure. Agreed. Hundred percent. But look I mean, we also yeah, we look at we look at hybrid today. There's um, the reason a lot of customers are keeping that last server is not necessarily because they want to keep mailboxes on prem, but because of manageability of objects and attributes, right? So, th so that's something we can dig into um, in in a second. But um, a question I wanted to ask is: so if we look at the agent, the agent today it's in preview, correct? Correct. Okay. And um, do we can we share? Do you have do we have any sort of timelines as to when that would become GA? Mm -hmm. And and I know you mentioned as well that there are customers running it. Do we have any numbers that, that we can share about sure, that? Sure. So um, I am targeting uh, early this summer uh, to release uh, the hybrid agent um, for general availability. Um, <clears throat> in terms of um, number of tenants who have installed, um, I, I would say that we're um, we're over a thousand. Um, so those are. So pretty, pretty good awesome. or pretty significant yeah, adoption cool. rates. Um, so there's probably some plus or minus error there in my reporting, but um, uh, I, I, that's what I've, I've noticed. Um, the, um, the type of customer um, who this feature is very attractive for um, are the customers who um, wanted to um, move to their tenant, but the challenges that they were facing, um, you know, going through their networking teams and configuring their outbound proxy servers um, to, you know, be able to publish themselves to the internet, um, it, it was just taking too long. And um, so, you know, some of the, the customers that um, we even went into private preview with, uh, that we basically, um, you know, handheld the installation and support for, um, you know, they were big enterprise customers um, who were keen on moving to the cloud. It was just um, too challenging for them, um, you know, with the existing requirements. And um, and in almost all of those scenarios, um, they successfully deployed to, um, say, like a test or a demo tenant with their test on premise, um, and said, "Wow, this is this is good, or this is good enough for us, right? This this will allow us to migrate mailboxes um, and have uh, free busy sharing between the two. So so let's let's unblock ourselves and move forward." Um. I was going to say the other. I think the other interesting segment for this is small customers who don't have absolutely who don't have the 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 skill mm -hmm. to. You know, you tell them you need to publish TCP 443 to the internet and put a valid public certificate on mm -hmm. it, and and some of them are like, mm, yeah, no idea how to do that. The right. hybrid agent, they can click, 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 done, done, and move mailboxes. Mm -hmm. So let's just ask you because you mentioned that certificate cool. thing, right? Thing, a thing. How secure is this whole thing that you guys have built, and how do we know we can trust it? secure is it Jeez, that's a tough question <laughs> well <laughs> no actually it's not no, that's it's not a not. tough question um so is it um is it any more secure than the classic connectivity model i would say yes marginally i would say additionally so yeah i i, I mean i would say it, it is it is slightly um more con uh secure um primarily because um so uh so your endpoints uh that we published are only accessible from office 365 servers right so today um so if that's baked in yes that's awesome. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. So, n no foreign or no tenant or other exchange or anybody outside of um, Office 365 could actually access your endpoint. 
um, that we use for target sharing EPR or for the migration endpoint. So they could potentially ping it, but they couldn't actually make a connection right. to it. And even if they could, right? So I mean, I think there's a thing. So our, our hybrid authentication story already, and there's a there's quite a long blog explaining how hybrid authentication really works and talks about certificates and validation and all of that good stuff. So all of that is still in play and in use with the addition of the fact that the endpoint that typically will be published on a customer's firewall is now inside Azure and only accessible to machines in our data center. That's exactly the answer that's going to please right? the security guys for sure. That's and why so I say it's a tough question because we have enough trouble getting people to trust software as a service, period. Now it's like, oh, we're going to open it up forever to software as a service. Um, it's it's so a difference in yeah. mindset, right? Yeah. For sure. Mm -hmm. And um, and and often some of those, you know, go back to, you know, the security kind of discussion that you get into. Often the discussion feels like it's the same discussion you had ten years ago with some some companies, and 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 the, it, it shifted. The 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 whole world has shifted, and um, this I think is a great way of kind of pushing some of those customers forward. Mm. I think small customers as well as enterprise customers. This makes it easy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, mm. The like the you know two hundred to three thousand mailbox tenants um, are very keen and yep. adopting uh, this feature as well. Um, so we started talking about the certificate and <laughs> yeah thought we'd put you off there well no <laughs> one of the cool things that you do is you manage the certificate for the customer mm -hmm. as well as it's not a certificate that you can use to go and publish an arbitrary web server with or is it well, no so the, i think we're talking about the authentication certificate within the agent oh right which is all managed within the agent the itself. with the agent itself I, I presented on this piece during, during Ignite the Tour, mm -hmm. and we were talking about um, where are we with hybrid and what are we doing with the hybrid agent. And I, I think it's worth underscoring for our listeners that the amount of work that you as Microsoft do on the customer's behalf is, is, is actually quite significant because not only do you instantiate a certificate that's pinned to that server, you also manage it on the customer's behalf. Yep. Yeah. Within the agent itself. Mm -hmm. So the agent, I mean, it's all... And the other thing to, to bear in mind is if, if people aren't, if it's kind of hard to visualize what this agent thing is, right? Because the word agent's pretty kind of nondescript, but mm -hmm. Azure application proxy technology and uh, is, is if something people are familiar with, we're built largely upon that same technology or pass-through authentication is the other analogy. I like to kind of sometimes think of this as almost like outbound VPN. Imagine an outbound VPN from your server inside your network to our data center and then we leave it open and Exchange Online can use the far end of that VPN to reach on-premises and uh, you know the, the yeah the, the management of certificate and authentication is managed within the agent where we roll the certificate we keep it up to date we secure that we take that obviously very seriously so as particularly as you know you end up with a well, you know when you think of the concept of an open VPN outbound sounds quite scary but um, it's wrapped up in a whole additional... Which is very similar to the other stuff. I mean, like if you have to look at uh, a data factory agent right. for SQL, mm -hmm. uh, where you want to ship some of that data, or an ASI agent, even the configuration server, if you want to push stuff from VMware. Mm -hmm. I mean, it all works the same way. Yep. And it, it's, it, it's done like that because it removes 
the complex configuration that the customer typically would have to do themselves, right? Because I think if yeah. we look at, w you know, we've discussed the case of, of large organizations where their internal processes just get in the way of them being able to publish web services and things, right? But there's also, um, you know, like you mentioned, the smaller customers with smaller tenants where they don't have the skill or their current environment is completely misconfigured to begin with, right? Because the, the old hybrid wizard assumed things like auto discover would were working properly before it would it work right yeah yeah um i think i i think once you use the expression it's a wizard but it doesn't it's not magic right <laughs> so it's not going to fix all of the things that are wrong with your current environment and those smaller customers who maybe can't manage the environment properly themselves because at the end of the day i mean you know we're all in the it business right mm -hmm. we kind of love this kind of stuff but these smaller organizations make cupcakes and pencils or you know whatever yeah. it is they make they don't yeah. use a service and the cloud's the right place for them so mm -hmm. if we can if the whole idea of this configuration so they can migrate is too hard it's a blocker so we'll unblock that um something you said there, Chris, that i had an email in my mailbox i think this week which was you know publishing auto discover records to the internet and some large enterprise company who are saying it will add six months to their migration project if they have to publish a DNS record externally and open a port through the firewall. Mm -hmm. it, you know, we say like that. 30 seconds of work. Yeah, <laughs> we say that, but uh, you know, I, I came across, uh, granted a small customer, but I came across an environment a couple of weeks ago that wasn't using AutoDiscover, right? right? And they were on a modern, reasonably modern version of Exchange, but they just felt like auto-discover wasn't something they wanted to use, so they were manually configuring everything, um, which is, you know, so it, it's out there. It can, I mean, you can do it, all right, and that's always been the, some people will think of auto-discover as in itself a vulnerability, and it's really just, you know, uh, oh, look, I queried auto-discover and I got back information, right, but. Yeah, but you, you had to authenticate in order to do it. You did, and the information you got back didn't tell you anything that you didn't already know, Indeed. right? It just told you where to go to get more information, for which, again, you'll have to authenticate, right? So um, you have to have this same conversation with some customers over and over, explaining why, um, why these things are not as worrisome as they think they are. And, and often I found as well, years, I found this years ago in MCS, where... If you have a conversation with the security guys, all you do is reach, you know, hit uh, brick walls the whole time. And, um, but you need to try and involve the business people in those discussions because what essentially you need to say is, these guys meaning you can't adopt the new you, any new technology at all. They're blocking every single way of, of doing it. And, and then the business realize that security are not, here's a, here's a catchphrase, here's a thing for you, they're not enabling the business to work securely. They're just securing the business, right? And so they, they're blocking them from doing work in a secure manner. So I'm going to use that, sir. I'm going to use that. A lot of my clients. But do you know what I mean? They, shouldn't their job be helping people yes. get access to Completely data agreed. in a secure manner? Yes, not the other way around. Right? That's right. Agreed. You That's have brilliant. been quoted, though, or uh, I think it was two years ago when you said that we shouldn't be arguing with security folks because they, they, they have... Uh, a job to do and we want to work with them and not um, necessarily ridicule the security folks amongst us who are I trying to secure the business yeah wow. yeah you, you were you were being quite nice at the time was it in a bar you were on stage actually with a microphone on you all oh, right and okay. it was i believe it was ignite two years ago when we were talking uh, when you said w should we do this and um 
Actually, I, I believe publicly you said um, this is what we're going to be working on. And funnily enough, today, here we are talking about it, and it's going to be released. Well, I, one of the things, George and I talked about, one of the things with the agent we wanted to kind of be clear about was how it works and how it's secure so that the people whose role it is to secure, you know, to work in security understand it. Because things like that hybrid, you know, how hybrid auth works, we put out documents like that to explain, to help people whose primary role is a security focus to understand how it works. And hopefully they see that as, I see this, how this works and why this is uh, okay to trust. And it's quite and if you just have it as a black box, they kind of, you yes. know, like, they're skeptical and suspicious. Mm. So we try and do that with the agent, make sure people understand how it works. Uh, for, for those who, who don't know, one of the highlights on that, of course, is that there's a two-way handshake between the service and exchange, and mm -hmm. that, that's maintained. Mm -hmm. So it's not just that we throw up a pipe and then hope it stays secure, it's maintained. Right. So let's talk about numbers a little bit more. Sure. How fast can we go? How fast can you go? Yeah, we want to move mailboxes and items and throughput, you know. It's all about now that I've decided to go to cloud, how fast can I go? Three-week migration, done. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, so how fast can you go? Um, you know, if you ask anybody uh, what what's like, you know, what's the expected throughput uh, for mailbox migrations when onboarding, um, I think the general answer is it depends. So, <laughs> um, so I can tell you what um, our constraints are with the hybrid agent. So we support um, a single migration endpoint, um, and that single migration endpoint receives the Office 365 default maximum concurrent mailbox migrations of 300. Um, so if somebody were to go and create an additional migration endpoint, name it something else, but use the remote host name with our custom URL, um, there is a chance that they will be throttled at the hybrid proxy infrastructure layer, um, and there won't be any available requests for FreeBSY. So therefore, we say uh, we support a single um, uh, migration endpoint for mailbox migrations. So I have seen a variety of throughput um, from our preview tenants. Um, I don't think that I have enough data today to say that this is what um, you should see on average because uh, really it just depends on um, the customer environment um, and um, the the batch creation, the number of mailboxes, the average mailbox size, the source exchange server. Um, I, I can tell you that um, we haven't seen a case where somebody didn't meet the migration onboarding SLA. Um, but as far as very specific throughput expectations, um, I, I don't have those. Um, but you know, my recommendation is um, definitely test, right? So create a migration batch with um, X number of either real or test users that represent your average user base. So number of mailboxes, mailbox size, number of items, attachments, attachment sizes, um, and do a test batch and see what your throughput is. Yeah, the receptionist, um, <laughs> she's had like a 65 gig mailbox because she's been there for 20 that's years. That's all, that's, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, so yeah, uh, uh, that's what I would say for migration throughput numbers. So a large orgs, especially the orgs that are represented in, in lots of countries, mm -hmm. different parts of the world, sure. would have done multiple MRS endpoints. Right. Can we do that with hybrid agent? So not today with our preview. 
Um, so, you know, a customer like that, um, you know, I, I mean, I would, I would say you can um, potentially preview our agent and see if um, the throughput is what you expect, but knowing that um, the migration content would have to be proxied from one region to the other to get to their single tenant, um, you know, I might recommend, um, you know, consider the, the classic hybrid connectivity model. Um, where you can have multiple migration endpoints, um, one for each specific region. Um, so multi-region is definitely a scenario that we're investigating, um, that we're investing in for the future. Um, the thing to note there is it requires us to support something called multi-route. So today we have a limitation within our, um, our proxy infrastructure whereby um, there's only a single route per tenant. Um, so that single route has to be used. Um, so to support that would be a feature. Essentially, we would probably call multi-route support for um, multi-region. So if we if we describe essentially the agent here, in its simplest form, it's something that we're installing um, inside the network and it's making outbound connectivities and mm -hmm. that's going to enable the hybrid scenarios and the migration mm -hmm. scenario for us. Sure. Are there any requirements in terms of that outbound connection? Now, I mean, I assume here that we would uh, use the regular recommendations for all of Office 365 connectivity, right? Mm -hmm. So proxy servers and those types of things would be would be a no-go. Is, is that a correct assumption? Uh, we do support the outbound proxy, okay. um, but it does require um, a configuration change, uh, which we have some detail in our documentation, probably not as much that would be needed. Um, and so, um, you know, if there is a customer that is facing challenges trying to connect to um, our, our ports outbound because they have outbound proxy, um, actually our, our primary developer on the feature, Jason Nelson, he has um, significant experience working, um, you know, hand in hand with customers to configure the outbound proxies to work. Um, because it's not an uncommon scenario for especially um, the type of customer who is interested in using our feature having um, a very restrictive outbound proxy. Okay, that, that, I think that makes absolute sense. Um, how far, so what sort of versions, what sort of customers can get excited about this? Are we, uh, you know, is this going to be something that goes back to customers running Exchange 2010? Mm -hmm. Or is this something that really is only for customers wanting, uh, wanting Exchange 2019? Where are and we again, what are the limitations? So what is, why choose hybrid agent over your traditional hybrid model? So I would say why choose hybrid agent over the traditional or the what we call the classic. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, if a customer is blocked for whatever reason, right, they're unable to open those inbound connections or publish themselves, or like Greg had mentioned, it's too expensive, it's too complicated, I outsource um, this work, I just want to onboard quickly, right? Um, for those customers, right, and, and even, um, you know, for customers who just want to do um, the minimal hybrid configuration where they just have a simple migration endpoint. So they can just click through and, um, they're done, they have a migration endpoint, they can put all, you know, 100 users in a single batch and they can move them the same day and, um, you know, magically they're on FS365. So I would say, um, you know, for customers who, um, who are blocked um, because of the inbound connectivity requirements, um, you know, this is, we built this feature for you. Uh, for customers who uh, want to adopt, say, like the full meal deal, like all of the features that you get with hybrid, so hybrid modern, modern authentication, um, Teams calendaring, sort of those, that rich coexistence feature that is inclusive of all of the suite. Um, then we we say you're going to need to you know publish auto discover. You need to publish Exchange Web Services. Um, you need to follow the classic hybrid connectivity model. 
Um, but you know, we do offer an option if, if you know, if you're okay with free busy and mailbox migrations and mail tips um, for your coexistence during migration, um, and this is simpler and easier for you, um, then this feature is for you. And this is, uh, to your point, um, 2010 Exchange and newer. So, uh, you know, in 2010 Exchange is heading towards end of support uh, less than a year away from now. So this is a great way of those customers who really should be moving to the cloud to try and help move them to the cloud. Yeah, so I would say the only limitation with um, the like older versions of Exchange in your environments is that the agent itself needs to run on uh, 2012 R2 or greater. Um, and so, you know, in those cases, you know, we recommend standing up a separate server to host the hybrid. Yeah, agent. so and we're actually, we did actually uh, say in the blog as well, we're adding support, uh, bizarrely, you know, we're adding support so that Exchange 2010 can run on Windows Server 2012 R2 after the next CU, and it's purely for this agent. That's amazing. So, uh, I mean, the reality was we'd been running that combo ourselves, you know, in various places for years. And so we, we felt like, you know, if I can't imagine many customers, I hope many customers will not start deploying new Exchange 2010 servers on a newer OS. That would be that would be kind of bad. Yes. But if they do so because they want to put the agent on one and run it on an Exchange server, then great they can but as georgia said they don't need to they could run it on a standalone box on the same network so mm -hmm. we're just trying to make it easier i mean that's the whole point of this right we want yes. to try and make it easy to people to get moving yes can we ask roadmap questions what's coming sure. what's after this what generally just the agent or the agent uh, so what's coming? Um, so by general availability uh, this summer, um, you know the the additional feature that we're going to support is um, high availability, or we call it multi-agent support. Um, so this particular feature um, will not only be available um, during general availability, but soon it will be available um, for our preview tenants. So um, existing preview tenants um, can install additional agents for high availability, as well as new um, installations or new tenants um, can install multiple agents. So it was something that we had promised um, would be coming within the preview or at general availability. It's just um, for a preview we uh, released with the single agent support, which is what it is today. Um, but now we'll also be supporting multi-agent pretty soon. Um, and that also includes the uh, configuration option to use the load balancer. So within the HGW, um, you will be able to, instead of um, directly pointing to your CAS server or your CAFE server, um, you can use your internal load balanced URL um, and we will register the agent against the load balanced URL. Or alternatively, if you don't want to rerun um, the HCW from end to end in your existing environment, you can still use the HCW to install an additional agent um, and then use a commandlet that we ship with the agent called the update um, hybrid agent um, to change the internal URL endpoint um, to the load, load balance URL. Yeah. yeah. And is that, so it's in preview now, is that still open? Uh, can customers still get involved with the preview? Absolutely. Or they can? Okay, well, yeah, absolutely. So, so preview will be available um, unless there is, you know, uh, unless there's for some, un I don't know, unless I have to take it down, but I, you know, that's not gonna happen. Um, so preview will be available um, until uh, the time at which we announce general availability. I've, n I've no plans on doing a preview for like a short period of time, taking it down, revamping them. Um, any, any 
fixes or um, feature enhancements we made, we um, make it to the existing build. So mm -hmm. it's always iterative. So it's kind of worth point, pointing out for those that don't know that the, the, the way the hybrid configuration wizard runs and the way this agent runs is, you know, it, we, it runs fresh every single time anyone runs it, right? So, you know, back when we were talking about a 60-page white paper, um, it was an incredibly monolithic process, and then we shipped. Then we shipped the hybrid configuration wizard in Exchange 2010 SP2, right? Which then we shipped once every you know service pack, and so the chance of fixing stuff as we went was service packs, and then later CUs, and so the gap became. So we switched the HCW to a web-based release model, and so what George's, you know, the point is that when the customer now, it's kind of from your side, it's kind of interesting, right? That the developer basically says, "All right, we're gonna now it, the agent is available, and anyone who runs HCW after that time gets the agent," which also means that if we hear of problems, um, we learn about them, we can fix them, and check them back in. And I mean, there are plenty of cases where a customer might hit an error on Monday and think, oh, that's like a Monday thing, right? I'm gonna run it on Wednesday, and they run it on Wednesday, and, and it completes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they think that was one of those Monday blues oh, you things. You gotta love developing right? operations. And, wow. And then Hot on lines. Wednesday, and it's because Georgia and the team fixed it. Yeah. Mm. And so the agent you know, runs right now because they want it to be available. And if we were to come across, touch wood, some kind of issue, we could either fix it or stop the agent from installing, um, and so customers always get the latest bit. So it's kind of a really interesting engineering development. I think the way HCW is one of the leading lights, I think, examples of, of that kind of agile engineering that mm -hmm. we have. Absolutely. And when you get started, like, okay, so when it goes GA, where how, how does somebody start? Can they just go and download it and hit the go button? Yeah, it will be uh, almost exactly the same as the experiences today with Preview. So you will get the option to do classic connectivity model or modern connectivity. Um, it's just when you click next, you will not be required to sign um, the terms agreement yeah. that says you're part of the Preview. So that's the thing. We just update the wizard. The next time somebody runs it, they could run it within the space of twice within an hour, mm -hmm. and it would be the Preview. <laughs> <laughs> then they'll get no warning no eula or anything <laughs> because so cool. we're ga don't you wish exchange worked like well, that well yeah i mean what this guy, yeah it's um it's a fascinating way i mean that's how the service runs sure. right the service mm -hmm. is yeah. is uh i know no machine lives there for more than a few weeks before it gets flattened and rebuilt with a mm -hmm. new version the whole days of big band upgrades are long gone yeah in the cloud it's always better in the cloud baby always better in the cloud that's, that's right so much so much so and then that's okay so you say that um in less than a year, Exchange 2010 is going cheers. So End you guys, support. Yeah. you guys support a product for 10 years. Mm -hmm. Okay. How do you, how do you do that? <laughs> a, <laughs> and B, is that model changing? Yes. Well, I answer the first one. Yes, it's changed. Yeah. And uh, the last wave of server products are five plus two not five plus five, so like five years mainstream, five years extended, they're now five plus two. Um, it's really hard to support it, particularly in the age we're in now, it's got harder, which is why we switched to a five plus two model, right? So we are still fixing, and of course in extended support, we only fix security issues, time sure. zone stuff, right? Yep. We don't do feature releases or anything. So, um, uh, come January next year, January 14th next year, Exchange 2010 goes end of support. I hear key people, people say end of life. 
It's not end of life, right? It's not going to suddenly explode in a pool of fiery electrons, right? Um, which would be great. But, but, um, but end of support, meaning you call us and because uh, you have an issue. And support, support are not just going to kind of laugh and hang up the phone. Uh, are you sure? If you have Premier, they won't, right? If you have Premier support, they won't. But um, they'll point you to existing resources, right? But what end of support means is uh, new issues, we're not going to fix. Security patches, we're not going to issue. Time zone, we're not going to do that. But we'll point at existing resources and say, because you know, by this stage, there's very few problems that haven't already come up, right? And we haven't. Sure. But, you know, there's a lot of customers on Exchange Server 2010 still, because mm -hmm. it really worked. Uh, it was a great solid release um and you know people are beginning to realize that oh look it might actually be a you know maybe we should do something about it and the agent is one of those kind of techniques and tools that hopefully people can use to try and get moving that's awesome and then to find out more about this kind of stuff where do you put all of your blurbs um, How do so people gotta, find out what Greg Taylor wants to say? <laughs> uh, you can follow me on Twitter, which yes. is um, hilarious. Uh, Greg Taylor underscore MSFT, I think. Okay. Um, but the shoes are your own, right? Uh, actually, I don't have that on there, no. <laughs> but they are anyway. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, and uh, but the Exchange Team blog, you have me at hello, uh, msexchangeteam.com, um, is where we post a lot of information. Where. We're going to be, I'll, I'll tell you now, this will, so we're going to move this to tech community. Um, we'll redirect the blog and all the links, but tech community will become the place um, where we'll integrate. We'll still keep our identity. Um, any links for existing blogs and stuff are all, are all still going to work. We're going to make sure all of that works. But that's kind of the place to go. And so we, we've published se several pieces around Exchange 2010 end of support, what your options are how you can migrate to the cloud, how you can migrate forward on-prem. Um, and I'm just trying to kind of, you know, help as many. We're talking about things at the Ignite Tour, just to kind of reiterate the message that Exchange 2010 and the support is kind of a big deal. And it's not just us. Windows 7, Windows 2008 right. R2, uh, SharePoint 2010, SQL. There's a lot of big products that customers are still using that are running out of support. Um, so. And for you, where can people find you? Where can they find me? Uh, so I, um, I usually uh, just write the blog posts um, and hand them over to Greg. <laughs> oh, and, and okay. Say, Here you go. Uh, here's my blog post signed. Uh, normally, I say the Exchange Hybrid team. Rarely, I say myself. Okay, so when um, you think you're actually reading something Greg wrote, you're not. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. Yeah, I don't put my name on it. It's all Georgia. Yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 and not on Twitter. Me. Do you do Twitter? Do you do uh, socials? I I do not. Oh wow! So yes. your views are not your own. Yes. <laughs> They're entirely your own and private. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's the difference. It's been super having you guys on the show. Really, really, really. Hey, welcome. Thanks for making the time for us. Of nice. course. Hey everyone, before you go wanted to say thank you for listening we really enjoyed putting this podcast together for you every two weeks please visit us at thearchitects.cloud or alternatively drop us a tweet we'd love to hear what you have to say at the cloud arc 